I got to say, I'm thankful Jeffrey's back with us today. Can you say, give him a praise God. <laughs> amen, amen. I wonder if you've ever been tempted to say to God, Yes, Lord, I have sinned, but I have several excellent excuses. You ever wanted to say that to God? Well, it's actually the title of a book by Pastor James Moore, and I find it really hilarious because I think this title really touches on something that is universal about the human condition, about who we are, about our nature. You see, it's hard for us to face our mistakes, isn't it? None of us wants to face up when we've made a mistake or a sin, especially as adults. None of us want to admit when we are wrong or even the possibility that we might be wrong. We don't want to acknowledge our unloving actions, hurtful words we have said to others, lashing out at others or self-righteous pride. And we're all like that. And King David of Israel was like that as well. I mean, after all, he was the king, right? I imagine he probably at times felt like he was beyond fault. And yet, he was finally cornered by the prophet Nathan. One day, he was confronted head on with his sin, with the terrible things he had done. And so in response, he wrote Psalm 51. I want to share that psalm with you now. The psalms were the songs and the prayers of the people of God, Israel. And so this is what David wrote, what he prayed, what he sang to God when he finally came face to face with his sin. And I'm going to share the whole psalm. Uh, sometimes I don't tell Rich everything until it's too late. So... You know, pray for rich. Um, but I'm going to share the whole psalm with you today, Psalm 51 from the CEB version. Have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Because I know my wrongdoings. My sin is always right in front of me. I've sinned against you, you alone. I've committed evil in your sight. That's why you are justified when you render your verdict. Completely correct when you issue your judgment. Yes, I was born in guilt, in sin, from the moment my mother conceived me. And yes, you want truth in the most hidden places. You teach me wisdom in the most secret space. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and celebration again. Let the bones you crushed rejoice once more. Hide your face from my sins. Wipe away all my guilty deeds. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, 
and put a new faithful spirit deep inside me. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Return the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways and sinners will come back to you. Deliver me from violence, God, God of my salvation, so that my tongue can sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. You don't want sacrifices. If I gave an entirely burned offering, you wouldn't be pleased. A broken spirit is my sacrifice, God. You won't despise a heart, God, that is broken and crushed. Do good things for Zion by your favor. Rebuild Jerusalem's walls. Then you will again want sacrifices of righteousness. Entirely burned offerings and complete offerings then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar this is the word of God for us the people of God yes Lord we have sinned but we have several excellent excuses none of us wants to admit if we have placed something else on the throne of our hearts other than God. None of us want to admit that we might have used God's name as a sanction for something wrong we have done. None of us want to admit the ways we have failed to keep the Sabbath. None of us want to admit when we have not honored father or mother. Is this sounding familiar? None of us want to admit we have caused another person harm. None of us want to admit if we have broken our vows to the ones we love. Or when we have received an unfair advantage or gotten more than we paid for. None of us want to admit it when we have been less than honest. None of us want to admit when we have desired something or someone that belongs to our neighbor. I didn't even want to talk about these things this morning. And yet, as we encounter God in the scriptures, he reminds us that all of us fall short of the perfection of God. We all fall down sometimes. We all sin. The reason that it's hard for us to admit that is that we all suffer from a human condition called Pride. Pride. St. Augustine was right when he said pride is the king of sins. It's our pride that keeps us from being honest with ourselves, with others, and with God. Our pride keeps us from admitting that we fall short of perfection. Our pride makes us rationalize our sins and yet condemn others for their sins. These are not pleasant things to face. In one of his strongest teachings, Jesus once said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, 
you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is where he said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? It's pretty tough. There's not anywhere to hide. But still, we want to say, yes, Lord, we have sinned, but we have several excellent excuses. But I want to ask you, in the depth of the night, what do we really believe about ourselves? Do we believe that we are really a lot better than others who commit what we consider notorious sins? Or are we open to the Holy Spirit to help us examine ourselves first? To open our minds, to open our eyes and take what is sometimes a hard look at ourselves. Jesus told a story to teach us about this once in the Gospel of Luke. He said, To some who were confident of their own righteousness, in other words, their position with God, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself. Now just imagine this, somebody standing right here up, up near the altar and praying like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. God, I thank you that I'm not a robber, an evildoer, an adulterer, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Wouldn't that be funny to see somebody actually pray that here in church? But then Jesus says the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even come in the door of the church. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that it was this man rather than the other who went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now remember the Pharisees were the religious people of Jesus' day. These were the ones who tried to follow the letter of the law of God as the scripture says. They were the ones who were careful to go to worship each week, to tithe, to give 10% of their income to God, to do all the visible things that made them look holy. Meanwhile, the tax collectors were the ones who betrayed God's people. They were the notorious sinners. They were the ones who collected way more taxes than they needed to so they could get rich and live the lifestyle of pleasure. And beyond all that, they had a powerful army behind them, the Roman army, to back up 
their extortion with force. So for Jesus to say that this tax collector went home justified or made right with God and the Pharisee didn't, it was unthinkable. It would have been shocking to hear this. So why would Jesus say something like this? Well, it's because Jesus looks beyond the outward appearance. And he looks straight to the heart. Jesus can see through it when the Pharisee was just trying to make a show of his religiosity. But really, he despised and hated other people. Jesus knows our heart. So if we say to the Lord, yes, I've sinned, but I have several excellent excuses, I can almost hear Jesus saying, come on, come on. In the Gospel of Mark, the first time Jesus speaks, he says this. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe in the good news. But what does it mean to repent? We don't usually hear that in the rest of life. If you were raised in the church, you may have been taught like me that to repent is to be going in one direction and turn completely around and head in another direction. To make a 180 degree turn and change your life. And sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we've been into stuff that is really going to hurt us or hurt others and we need to completely turn around from that. But you know what this word repent literally means? It might surprise you. The word in the original Greek of the New Testament is metaneo and it literally means to change one's mind or purpose. To change one's mind or purpose. In other words, in the depth of the night, what do we really believe about ourselves? Are we open enough to the Holy Spirit to let it work on us and open our eyes and take a hard look at the way we're living? Are we willing to let the Spirit change our mind about what to believe, about how to live, about what the very purpose of our life is. In other words, are we ready, at least with God, to put aside the excuses and admit our own wrongdoing? This is what true repentance really is. It means to get real with God about who we really are and what we really do. And here's the promise in that. God offers forgiveness. No matter what we've done. God offers new life. No matter how we fail. God offers mercy. No matter how much we've messed up. And if we ever doubt that, look to the cross. Remember the price that was paid. God gave it all so that you and I could be forgiven and free. Now I want to suggest a practice to you. It's, it's one of the best ways 
to really look at our lives and be conscious about how we're living. It's called the daily examine, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an examination of ourselves, our own lives. Now, we don't have to go to the doctor's office, thank God, to do this. Wherever we are, we can do this with God, just us and God. It's simply a conscious prayer of reflection about who we are and how we are living. One way to do this is at the end of each day, just to simply sit down and take a few moments for reflection. To literally look back at our day. First of all, where did we see God? Another way to ask this is where did we experience joy or truth or a blessing? This is such a powerful practice to, you know, the old folks used to say, count your blessings. Name them one by one. This is a great thing to do on a daily basis. Then we can think about the actions of our day, what we've actually been doing. Where were we faithful to God? And to celebrate that, that God was with us, that God gave us the responsibility and the power to do our duty faithfully. And then to think about, was there anywhere that I fell short today? We don't have to sugarcoat this. We can be honest. Because you know what? God already knows. But it will be healing for us to admit it to ourselves and to God. And then most importantly, to take all of this to God in prayer. To give thanks for the blessings. To ask forgiveness if we've fallen short. And to consciously Think about how we're living our lives. Are we following Jesus? Are we showing love to others? This practice can literally change our lives. Because, it, you know, to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus in this world takes intention. We don't do it just by accident. Amen? We have to be intentional. We have to be conscious of how we're living. Are we following Jesus? It takes getting real with God, ourselves, and others. As Pastor Mike Slaughter says, it only takes 24 hours or less for the world to start trying to change our priorities, what we want, what we desire. So if we never examine our lives, our actions, our words, our behavior, we can slip into the same trap that the Pharisee did in the story Jesus told. Wouldn't we look foolish if we were up here at the altar saying, Oh God, I thank you I'm not like Brit Hadley over here and all the things he does. <laughs> I mean, it would, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like Lanny Lancaster. He's not even tall enough to get it, you know. We would look like fools. And we don't want to be caught looking like that or being like that, even more importantly. We don't want to be the one to say, yes, Lord, I've sinned, but I have several excellent excuses. No, sooner or later, sooner or later, in this life or the next, we have to get real about who we are and how we live. Wouldn't it be better to do that now with the God who offers grace 
and forgiveness to all who come to him. That's the promise, you know, that no matter where you've been or how far you've strayed, no matter how much we have sinned, Jesus still says to all of us, come to me, all you that are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The Bible says if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from anything we have done wrong. Sisters and brothers, I can't think of a better time or place for us to open our hearts to the Lord, confess our sins, and receive God's amazing grace than right here and right now. Disciples of Jesus repent. They change their minds. They open their hearts. And they live the good news that God's grace is available to all people. Let us pray together. God, you know we try. You know we love you. You know we work hard to be faithful. Lord, sometimes we have blind spots in our soul. Every single one of us. Sometimes we fall down in our walk with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that because of this, you came and gave your life. Gave your life, Lord, on the cross for our salvation so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be free, so that we could be restored, so that we could be healed. Lord, we don't understand it, but somehow walking around in this world as a human being We're all tempted in many different ways. We stumble. So once again, as your people, we cry out, Lord, save us. For how else will we be saved? Lord, give us your word of forgiveness. For to who else can we go for the words of life? Lord, take our burdens. Otherwise, they will literally crush us. And let us remember that you love us, that you want new life for us. So set us free right now, right here, Lord. Set us free. that we may be the new creations you have called us to be and that we too would go from this place and extend that same forgiveness, that same love to all we meet. We thank you, Jesus. 
We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And let all God's people say,